Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> What's up, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Cover 2 with McMillan and Purdue, show where we talk nothing but NFL football. We are back at you for our 2019 NFL preview. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Dev McMillan. I'm in the building with my partner. We got Fred Purdue in the building. What up, Fred? What's going on, man? Uh, Just a few more days. I know I'm a little ahead of you because, you know, this whole college football thing got me hyped. But, uh, (laughs) you know, just a few more days. Just a few more days, just like Fred said. And if you guys haven't joined our uh, NFL uh, Pick'em group yet, make sure you do that. Go to War Room Sports' Facebook page to search War Room Sports. You'll see the link on the page. Make sure you click that link and get in the group. We got a $50 cash prize for this one. Um, Hey, <laughs> get in, try your luck, see what you can do. But we are here to... Uh, move a little farther to progress in our series, our NFL preview series for 2019. Um, if you haven't caught the last two episodes, in those two episodes, we covered the entire AFC. So in today's episode, we will get into the NFC side of our preview. We're going to start with the NFC South. NFC South! You know a lot about these teams, man. This is people from your part of the country. And we're going to start off with a team that you're very, very familiar with, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were 5-11 and 11 last season. Um, what did you see from this team last season that helped them finish 5-11 and 11 before we move on to this season? <laughs> well, uh, no running game, head coach that wanted to throw, throw, throw and continue to throw and is going to probably affect another team in its own own division uh, very, very soon. Uh, But play calling was a problem. Offensive line was a problem. Uh, Defense was a huge problem. That was a bomb. Stop a damn soul. They could not (laughs) stop a soul. Um, Just top to bottom, you know, you couldn't protect Jameis. Uh, You look at it, you look at, how the running game doesn't – he needs a running game. He's hes a classic old-school type of quarterback you need to throw. You want to give him 20, 25 throws a game, but at the same time you want to use a lot of deep play action stuff. So what helps that? A good running game. So you don't give him that. Offensive line doesn't help him. He actually had better numbers against pressure than he did against the blitz, uh, than a team not blitzing. So – that's encouraging, but at the same time, I mean, you had musical chairs at quarterback, and man, it, this team was a mess, and they still found a way to win five or five games. So yeah, they started out the season with all that Fitz magic. Yeah, <laughs> and you know how that goes. So um, yeah, it lasts for about right. two weeks. Oh yeah. So what about the additions in the off season? What did this team do in the off season that caught your eye? Oh, man, additions. Uh, when you look at Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU, uh, my second favorite player, um, 
as far as draft picks are concerned. Uh, he is a rangy, rangy linebacker. He, in yesterday's NFL, you'd call him a will linebacker. He's very fast, a little undersized, but for this defense, perfect. Uh, Sean Bunting is more, was my favorite pick out of this whole class. Uh, a Out of Wyoming, a really, really nice, uh, safety, he can cover, he can play the run. One of those guys that really is a good, solid football player. Uh, and Dominican Sue added on as well. Nice pickups, nice pickups, some older pickups, but I think they're getting a little bit of an infusion in, you, in talent. Uh, the biggest <laughs> one of all, uh, the, on the coaching staff, Bruce Arians coach. and Todd Bowles. I mean, you get right. two head coaches for the price of two head coaches for the price of one. So, I mean, this is going to be very interesting. You're right. I was, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm glad that you saved the best for last because I really do think. Those are the most important additions. Sometimes, you know, you add a new coach and the coach may not have any experience. So you're not really that excited. You're just wondering what this coach can do. Bruce Arians, in my opinion, is um, pretty proven, you know, not saying that he's a Super Bowl type coach, you know, a coach that's going to get you there right away. But he's I a think quarterback he does whisperer, though. How, that's what you need. Right, right. He, mean, he knows how to build a team. He's a quarterback whisperer, and I think pairing him up with Jameis Winston could possibly save Jameis Winston's career at this point. Um, and then you go to the other side of the ball with Todd Bowles. It didn't quite work out for him as a head coach, but one thing we know about Todd Bowles, one thing he does know is defense. So he's going to bring in this 3-4 scheme um, and see if this squad that we just noted that couldn't stop a damn soul last season, see if they can stop somebody. So I definitely like the changes to their coaching staff. Um, we'll see how that all plays out in the NFC South this season. Um, interesting thing as, about okay. interesting thing. I don't want to. I don't. I, just before we leave the coaching realm, interesting piece about. Bruce Arians, uh, he has a rule for his coaching staff, and it, this goes beyond football, and this is one of those things I really like off the field. If you're a coach or any part of the organization that he has a part of and you miss family things like recitals, ball games, things like that, you're fired. And he finds out you're fired. <laughs> That's no huge. I mean – for a, in a league where we talk about where we call everything is just it's obsessive to the point where guys like Brady and Belichick they obsess over things like this and we bash players for not being all in during the season. He's saying, you know, there's a life outside of this game, and to me, for me, I really that's one of the one things I, I really wanted to highlight about him. Love Bruce. Yeah. Great approach. Great approach to things. I mean. You want to play for a guy like that, a guy who, at least on the surface, makes you believe that he understands that this might not be your entire life. He understands that you may have family, you may have, you know, other obligations. So that's the kind of guy that you want to bust your butt for. Um, So we'll see if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually do that. All right, so season, season outlook. What do you see... For this team, you know, what are going to be some strengths, weaknesses, um, anything that we should know um, or expect from this team in 2018? 
Uh, for me, I, what I look for with this this team is I look for improvements along the offensive line. Uh, Demar Dotson, nice pick. He's always he's been a pretty developing right tackle. Ali Marpet, pretty good player. Uh, but the running game is going. To, the running game and the offensive line have to improve to keep Jameis not only from scrambling for his life and having to make backyard football plays. I mean. He, how many times do you see him just having to make something happen when other guys, they just they can just sit back there in a league where it's about just getting the ball out quickly? Um, I, I remember when Jameis came out of school, I remember comparing him to Big Ben, and I see so much of his game. And if they ever just get to the point where they can protect him and let him get the ball out, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, O.J. Howard is, is my – is my guy to watch in this whole on this whole offense. If he can take that next step, he's going to be a huge piece. He's he's in that Gronk, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz type of stratosphere where he's the most unstoppable guy on your on your on your offense. And that's including um Mike Evans because yeah, Mike Evans is going up against a corner, but who's going to cover a six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound tight end who can run like a receiver, but by the way, he can block as well, and he just you can use him as a red zone threat. He's one of those unicorn type players. They're they're very few and far between, and if they use him properly, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I expect the offense. I expect Jameis in that offense to put up big numbers. I expect the defense to get slightly better, but. The thing is, you have guys like JPP that are out. You have guys like Noah Spence on their last leg. That pass rush is not all that great. And Dominican Sue didn't get after the quarterback much last year. He was more of a run stuffer. Uh, I don't see where the improvement came at corner. Jamel Dean's a good guy, but he's just speed. Uh, Carlton Davis, more of a – he's a nice cover corner, but when you're going up against guys like Michael Thomas and, and Julio Jones – um, good luck. So that back end of that defense is going to that defense as a whole is going to struggle, but especially that back end. Yeah, I can't put my uh, finger on this JPP situation. Ha! <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> hey, ever since he did that bonehead stuff, you got to get at least one JPP finger mm-hmm. joke in per season. So I've met my quota. Um, if I go over the quota, don't 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 kill me. Um, for me, yeah, I I think the Bucks pretty much bring back the same roster from last year. But you know what we mentioned earlier, the the kind of turnover of the coaching staff, which is going to bring a new offense, bring a new defense. Um, you know they they could be one of those sneaky good teams. Like they've always, in my opinion, at least been talented. Jameis Winston, I've been high on him um, minus the the antics. Like, it was always a maturity thing with him. Like, I see a, a potentially very good quarterback, but when it comes to quarterbacking in the NFL, like, it takes a different level of maturity and leadership, you know, in order to be successful. And by all accounts, you know, I hear that throughout the whole offseason, he seems to have turned into that leader. But we'll see when Sunday comes and, you know, adversity strikes, you know, because everything's not going to be all peachy, you know, once the season starts. So once Mm -hmm. the going gets tough, 
or the going gets rough, you know, we'll see how much of a leader and, and, and how much Jameis Winston has mentally turned the corner. So what do you see as a prediction for this uh, something around the same thing, 5-11, and 6-10, and 2-4, uh, and four, you know, 3-3 three and three in the division, still missing the playoffs, maybe, uh, uh, maybe I'll say like 12 in the draft, 12 to 14 in the draft, I mean, that can, that's good enough, unfortunately, that's good enough to get, you, you're just outside of the playoffs, so you're, but you're not in it so it doesn't really help you so why not tank that's where they are and more than likely if this team is smart they tank a little bit more and they might tank for Tua knows yeah I think and this and for me I think this is generous I I I see them sneaking up on an eight and eight record the Bucks are gonna forever be that team that's gonna like you said middle of the pack show you potential and get you a little excited for the next season, and that next season comes, and they're right back to disappointing their fans. And then comes a season where they show a little light, and then right back to disappointing their fans. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give them eight and eight um, for the Bucks. All right, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers, who finished last season at seven and nine. Uh, that seven and nine record. Uh, bode well for this season. Like, why did the team um, of this caliber, at least you know what they've been in the past few years prior, you know how they finish seven and nine? Cam Newton and the nagging injuries. Yeah, weapons. It's not lack of weapons. It's it's really not. I know it. He doesn't have that big name guy, but. I mean, you have guys like Curtis Samuel. I mean, you got – I, I have a new nickname for him. Uh, m- one of my favorite backs. One, been one of my favorites since he was in college at Stanford. Uh, I call him Run CMC, uh, Christian McCaffrey. He is a just a complete animal, and he can do it all. He's probably the closest thing I've seen to like a Marshall Falk in a long time. And I don't throw big names around like that. A dude that can be, you know, a thousand thousand guy. You know, he could be that type of player. Um, yeah. And he's both. He, he's a workout warrior, man. The dude came back like he's, he's just gonna be on control right now. Like he, you could tell his mission in the off season was to get a little bigger, get a little stronger. Because he mm-hmm. knows that his workload is gonna, you know, I mean, it was diesel last year, so his workload is gonna go up. He's got to be able to, you know, take some hits. Uh, I like this guy. <laughs> like this definitely, guy. definitely. Um, but you got to – this team was 6-2 and two before the Cam Newton injury, shoulder injury. So they were headed in the right direction. You just need a couple extra pieces on defense, maybe a playmaker here and there, and I think they're just fine. I mean, they're not a – this was one of those freaky situations where – you know, your quarterback gets hurt, and you don't have anybody behind him. That's all that really right, hurts so what, this team. What do they go out and do in the offseason to remedy this This, this You bring in Matt Paradise on the year. offensive line, very huge. Mm-hmm. Bring in Brian Burns from Florida State, a pass rusher. Go get Greg Little, the other, the new Greg Little, not the receiver Greg Little that busted out of the NFL years ago uh, from Ole Miss, the tackle. I think he'll need a little bit of time to – you got to let him marinate. Just go put him in – let him marinate a little bit. Let him 
you know, just go let them just season them up and, you know, let them sit for a little bit and let them develop. Uh, you also brought in Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl winner and Chris Hogan from my Patriots. I knew that was happening. I knew he wasn't going to stay in New England, but I didn't think he'd end up here. Uh, and also you brought in another Super Bowl guy and Bruce Irvin, uh, a Seattle guy. So you have two veterans that know what it takes to win championships. And usually that's that little, those little bitty got pissed, uh, little bitty pieces like a Chris Hogan, like a Bruce Irvin, may not be, you know, thousand yard receiver or 15 sack a, uh, a year guys, but they can help everybody around them. That They know the little things that help win. Uh, they did lose Thomas Davis to the Chargers, Julius Peppers to retirement, Ryan Khalil, that hurt, but he was an aging player. Devin Funches, uh, I, he went to the Colts. I'm not really hurt by his loss. Uh, Mike Adams at safety, not again, not hurt by that loss at all. Um, and you also have the brewing con- controversy with Eric Reed, the safety who was once with the with the uh, 49ers and a Colin Kaepernick supporter. You have that looming over your team, so you know you you, you lose those, you bring those things uh, onto your team. So that these kind of things all go into the pie, right? Um, and as far as the outlook for the season, um, I think, uh, personally, I think they'll be um, a little better up front on the defensive side because Ron mm-hmm. Rivera has taken over the defense. Um, Gerald McCoy and Brian Burns being added to that mix will probably provide the Panthers with a much better pass rush than they saw last season. Um, some of the weaknesses on their team, I think, in the back end of the secondary, you mentioned Eric Reed. Um, you know, Boston and Reed are, you know, pretty good starters. Trey Boston's only playing on a one-year contract, but everybody behind them, like if either one of those guys get injured or both of those guys get injured, there's a lot of unproven um, talent behind them that would have to step up, you know, next man up. But it is unproven. So as we speak right now, I really have no reason to to have any faith in what's going on behind them at safety. So they need to really keep that position uh, healthy. Um, it, it's it's kind of glaring to me depth-wise. Depth um, but with all that said, we kind of know that this team's fortunes rest on Cam Newton. And with his surgically repaired shoulder, we really don't know what to expect from him. Um, if he's 100% healthy, then, you know, you can expect this team to compete. Like you said, they were 6-2 and two last season before he got hurt. Um, one person going down doesn't do that, but it can be a domino effect when that one person is as important to your team as a Cam Newton. Um, so what do you see with this team? Um, if they got a healthy Cam – What's the season outlook for you? Oh, man. I mean, this the schedule kind of lines up pretty decently for them. Uh, you start out the season with L.A., so that that's an iffy one. Uh, but at the same time, you, you, get, you get a healthy dose of Tampa, Arizona, Jacksonville, San Francisco, Tennessee early. If you can get some of those – roll some of those off, I could see this team being in the same position they were in going into last year. Uh, I could see this team being a nine and seven type of team. Uh, nothing spectacular. Uh, 
at the end of the year, they do get a, a Colts team. We don't know what's going to happen with the Colts. But presumably, if Jacoby Brissett isn't the guy, I feel maybe in there in a win or win to get in type of situation. I kind of right. want to put my I would put my money on on Carolina if Cam Newton's healthy. You get a you also get the you get the Washington team, so you're getting some pretty decent um, some pretty decent matchups where on paper at least your team says we got a chance. And speaking of Jacoby Brissett, uh, shout out to him for his new contract. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm the starter. Y'all got to at least pay me like a half. You got to pay me like one. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. All right, so um, for me, we got a little breaking I'm, news too. I know we're not out west yet, but we got a little breaking news about another guy getting paid too. Um, Jared Goff, 134 million, 110 guaranteed. Yeah, yes, the highest guarantee in NFL history. Up, oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me, let me get back. Let's break. <laughs> As you just heard from Fred Purdue, Jared Goff, four-year extension. Um, yeah, that that's that that's interesting, and we'll definitely when we do. We'll dive into NFC that when we we'll talk it. Talk it later. Definitely, we'll definitely, we'll definitely dive into that contract a little bit. Um, I see this Carolina Panther team much in the same way you see him. Um, I'm thinking nine and seven, ten and six. I'm going to be a little generous on this one. I think Cam coming back, um, the improvements that they should make on defense with Ron Rivera shifting his focus um, to the defensive side. We know that's what he does. Um, I'm going to go ten and six with the Carolina Panthers. This division to me is always difficult to gauge because, mm-hmm. you know, like, you never look at the division like, oh, they got a potential Super Bowl champion besides maybe the Saints. But then you go through the division when you're doing a preview and they always have at least three teams that might be capable. Atlanta hanging around offensively. Tampa right. doesn't make it easy on people. I mean, they can right, still right, play. Right. Tampa, like I said, they're always that team that you're expecting stuff from, and then you know they crap the bed. But let's go. Let's talk about those Atlanta Falcons. Last season, they finished with a record of seven and nine. Um, hmm. <laughs> seven and nine. Those Atlanta Falcons. Why were the Atlanta Falcons seven and nine last season? Defensive injuries. I mean it. I mean, they were banged up from almost day one. Keanu Neal, uh, Deion Jones, I mean, Devontae Campbell. I mean, they, it, it seemed like every single game they were losing somebody. And we know how this team goes. This team goes how the offense goes. I mean, Matt Ryan had another typical 2000s uh, NFL season, uh, but he did get sacked 42 times. That's a lot. But he still, you know, he put up another 4,900 yards through the air. So it's not like he had a terrible year, but those are numbers typical of a a upper-level quarterback in the NFL. So injuries, Devontae Freeman went down really early, so he didn't have a running game. So it was the Julio Jones show all season. So uh, even at times he was banged up a little bit. So that you have these type of injuries, your star players, like we talked about before, um, when your star guys are hurt, those backups, they're, they're backups for a reason. For me, it's kind of difficult to envision Julio Jones, you know, 
ever not being a little nicked up um, because of his workload as a wide receiver. Like like you said, it's the Julio Jones show, and that is not an exaggeration. That's not an overstatement. Um, you also spoke of Keanu Neal. Um, he tore that ACL last season, but this dude, like, weeks, couple of weeks after, you know, he got his surgery, he was doing his rehab, he was posting videos of his rehab. Like, this dude's a madman, and he was determined to come back. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out. Um, and, and what did they what did they add to the team uh, that caught your eye in the offseason? Well, they broke my heart. Uh, they picked Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, guard. Uh, I really wanted New England to secure that bag. Uh, you know, anytime you can go get a really decent interior lineman, even if it is a swinging six uh, gate six man lineman on your team, that's always good. But they help uh, take care of Matt Ryan. If you take care of that guy, keep him clean, you all you have a chance. So Caleb McGarry also picked him up. Uh, Adrian Claiborne picked him up again. Uh, James Carpenter, the former Seahawk, picked him up out of Alabama. Picked him up. That's so. Those are your veteran pickups. So three out of your four big time pickups are along the offensive line. Anybody see a trend here? Old aging mm-hmm. quarterback. Uh, we want to run the football a little bit more. Devontae Freeman is is getting – he's not old, but he's he's now – he's nicked up. So, we always – when you're nicked up running back, you you're might – getting running back old. Yeah, yeah, you're getting running back old. They did lose Tevin Coleman, who was their – he was their – they're lightning. They're the guy that was he. He wasn't taking any uh, carries out of the backfield. He was going to catch the football somewhere somehow. Uh, they lined him up everywhere. He's now with the 49ers, So and they're terrible stable of running backs and offensive line. But well, that's a story for another day. Uh, so you 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 go help out that offensive line. And this team's an offensive team. We know that. Uh, they lean heavily on the production of Matt Ryan, and we have to, you have to take care of him. Oh, no, you, you definitely have to. I mean, you got an aging former MVP there. So, you know, former MVP, not too many seasons removed from that. You know he can still do it if you can indeed keep him clean. So you invest in that part of your team because you know what you have under center, under center you know, in the right circumstances, no matter, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people out there, I, mean, I hear a lot of people um, say things like, you know, Matt Ryan's overrated, this and that, but. He's just um, solid. I think he's very solid. Like you said, if you invest in the right places, I think Matt Ryan can do enough to lead your team to some success. So uh, if I'm Matt Ryan plays for about half of the teams in this league, I think he'd get them. He'd give similar results. If you put him on like Minnesota, if you put him in Jacksonville, you put him in Tennessee, put some got some dudes around him. Yeah, I think some of those teams will really like him. Just saying. All right. So as far as season outlook goes, now this sounds it's going to sound very cliche. But this team has to stay healthy. I mean, that could be the first, could be the mantra for every team: stay healthy. We know in a game like football, that's not entirely possible. But the reason that I'm stressing it with this particular team is because injuries is kind of what derailed them last season. They've had some early injuries this season. 
you know, in training camp in the preseason. So you don't want a repeat, you know, in a season where you think you can improve and try to make another run at this thing. Um, what's your outlook for the season? Similar, very similar. They they have to stay healthy. I know, like you said, I know this is the biggest cliche in the world, but I mean, for this team more than any, you have to stay I healthy. Say some, some teams You're are deep it. enough where they don't necessarily have yeah. to. You want to stay healthy. Some teams are deep enough where, you know, they can sustain some things, but I don't think this is one Especially of them. This is a talented team. Right. It's a talented team, but I don't know how deep this team is. This schedule, their schedule is brutal. I mean, it is it is a gauntlet of a schedule, especially when you talk physical teams. I mean, you're seeing Minnesota, Philly, Indy, Tennessee, um, Houston, Arizona. I mean, even Arizona is a physical team. L. A. C. L. A. and Seattle back to back. I mean, it, this is a brutal. Before you even their schedule looks like a college schedule where you play a bunch of team like you're like you're an independent and you play a bunch of everybody's and mm-hmm. like a you like you're a Notre Dame and you oh I'm Notre gonna go Dame play Michigan schedule. this week. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go play Michigan this week, USC. Like USC. This week. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then at the end it looks like an SEC schedule. I mean you get at you get Atlanta I'm sorry, you get New Orleans and Carolina back to back on the road. Then you get Tampa, New Orleans, Carolina at home, but then you get San Francisco on the road, Jacksonville at home, and then you finish it at Tampa. Uh, or Tampa comes – yeah, at Tampa. So, that's brutal. I mean, that is brutal. More power to him. I, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Even with that brutal schedule, man, I, I think if this team stays healthy, um, I can see them being a 10-16. and 16. So, that's what I'm going to give them 10-6. and 6. Surprise! <laughs> Yeah, a surprise to me, but because you know, I don't think my outlook of them would be that strong, that positive going into the season. But I'm, I'm gonna go ten and six for the Atlanta Falcons. Would say you? I I agree. Part of me wants to go eleven eleven and five, but I'm just not willing to go give them that much just yet. But that schedule it it sets up for them early pretty decent. I mean, Minnesota's not the Minnesota we remember from a couple of years ago. So, right. defensively, they're a bit of a liability. I mean, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, so, my, you know, my Eagles pretty much broke their spirit. They haven't been the same since. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's going to be a – week two is going to be fun for you. That I've Usually every year I circle a couple games and I say, yeah, that, that's one of them. Um, I can see this team winning 10, ten games. I'll give them 10 yeah. And I'm actually I was I'm supposed to be at that game in Atlanta, but you know plans haven't really been solidified yet, and the time mm-hmm. is ticking. Like that's two weeks away, damn it. So I'm not not sure. Look, looking like it might not happen, but we'll definitely you know let everybody know if it does. We we're reporting live from the Mercedes Benz whatever stadium. <laughs> All right, so um. Let's move on to the team that won this division last season with a record of 13-3, and three, those New Orleans Saints. Now, you know, we saw what they were last season. Actually, in the beginning, you know, in the first half of the season, this, this team was a damn gauntlet. Um, they were a team being a fan of another NFC team, 
I didn't want to see them. And then when we saw them, they showed you exactly why I didn't want to see them. Mm -hmm. We got that rematch. It seemed like, you know, this is the NFL, though. Teams, defensive coordinators, they get paid a lot of money to catch up with something that's burning up the league. And I think by the end of the season, New Orleans have fallen back to the pack a little bit. And in that playoff rematch with, with Philly, they almost didn't make it out. <laughs> they almost didn't make it out of there um, thanks to a drop pass by somebody whose best attribute as a wide receiver <laughs> is his hand. So such a surprising situation. But how did this team get to 13 and three last season? Um, when it all, when it was all said and done at the end of the season, did they still look like that 13 and three team to you? No, they didn't. I mean, even Drew Brees doesn't look like the same Drew Brees. Like, you know, everybody keeps saying. He's a little bit him, more of a dinker and a dunker these days. Yeah, he looked a lot like a dinker and a dunker and not that deep bombing guy. I mean, everybody keeps saying Tom Brady's going to slow down. And I haven't, I really haven't seen it on a consistent basis. But I saw it on a consistent basis for Drew Brees last year. And granted, there's nothing wrong with being a dinker and a dunker. But in that offense, it works. with those players, <laughs> with the, with that receiver, you know, Mike Michael Thomas and and Alvin Kamara at the back. I mean, he has an embarrassment of riches. Can we just put that out there? Nick, uh, when you look at how Drew Brees and Sean Payton have worked, he gets everybody he wants. And, I mean, it's not even – I mean, you have a guy that you can say we in Taysom Hill that you can just put in here. We're, we're just going to drop Drew Brees over at wide receiver, and we're going to run read option with this guy. I mean, that's how good this team is offensively. Right. So, I mean, he had he Drew Brees posted a career high 115.7 QB rating last year. I mean, I know these stats mean hardly anything when it when it comes to the context of a game, but man, Drew Brees is still pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. Um, so, you know, we'll see how he's going to fare this season, but we'll get to the outlook in a minute. What did they do in the off season to try to keep this team atop of this division? Uh, well, they lost Mark Ingram. That was surprising. Uh, they also lost Ben Watson. Not surprising. Max Unger retires, but you grow bring in Latavius Murray. I thought he retired, to be very honest. I mean, I haven't heard his name in so long. Jared Cook moved on. Uh, I'm sorry, they brought in Jared Cook. I'm sorry. Uh, Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M, good center guard. Uh, and Mario Edwards, who's kind of just a guy, brought him in as well. So this team didn't really need to add a lot. I just – the head scratcher in all of this was – Mark Ingram going to Baltimore. This one, that one didn't make any sense to me. Why not keep the good, the two backs together and have a thunder and a lightning kind of situation and let Drew Brees age gracefully versus his number uh, one back is his number one receiver too. Right. Well, and also um, something else they did over the off season, they paid Michael Thomas. Yeah, uh, he, he, he got a five-year extension. For $61 million in guaranteed money. So um, uh, he's a happy camper. Let's see how he goes out and helps an aging Drew Brees. Uh, Mike Thomas is a guy who doesn't drop passes. If the ball is in his catch rate, he's going to catch it. And then on the other hand, you know, Drew Brees, no matter what 
he might be as far as, you know, hitting that <laughs> that wall, falling off just a little bit, he's still accurate as hell um, when he goes to you. So he makes it a little bit easier for you to not drop any passes. Um, so what do you see as the outlook for this team moving forward in 2019? Oh, when I look at this team, I see a 11 and five type of team, maybe 12 wins. Uh, this division is so weird year to year that it's very difficult for me to just want to just throw out. Oh, they'll just instantly win this division because there's always a new winner in this division year in and year out. Um, they have a pretty tough schedule too. Uh, you, you get Houston, LA, Seattle, and Dallas to start the season. I mean, we most coaches will tell you we, they they plan their seasons out in quarters, uh, and if that's your first quarter, you better start out fast because I mean, you get Jacksonville, Chicago, Arizona, and Atlanta. I mean, you have that's as brutal of an eight eight games you can as you can get. I mean, those defenses are unforgiving. And, by the way, some of those quarterbacks are pretty good, uh, except the one in Dallas and the one in Tampa. But, hey, you know, just putting it out there. But, you know, when you but the the thing is, L.A. is going to beat you up. Houston is going to beat you up. And Seattle is going to beat you up. So, injuries have to stay very, very few and far between. Uh, But you have Drew Brees, and that always makes things easy. So I'm gonna get his team. I get his team like a hey, eleven and five. I'm not willing to go twelve and four, but eleven and five is just just right. All right. Um, I, I my burning question about this team is, you know, the current iteration of the team. Which team are they? Are they the team that you know flashed out the gate last season and basically scared teams through the first half of the season, or are they the team that finish? the season in a less than impressive manner. Um, even though they did, you know, advance as far as they did um, and and still kind of made a run at the Super Bowl, um, you kind of figure they were good enough to do that even if they weren't the same team as they were in the beginning of the season. Um, as good as they were playing, you know, a drop-off isn't the worst thing in the world because they were playing that good. So dropping back off to the pack just means you're going to have more competitive games against teams that you may have, um, well, shoot, that that you literally blew out (laughs) earlier in the season. Um, As far as this year goes, I I do think there's something to the whole Drew Brees um, might be taking a step back type thing. Um, You can kind of see changes in his arm strength. Um, we talked about the, the Dinkin and Duncan probably to try to keep his arms fresh. They're not going downfield as they used to. Um, but as you said, he still is Drew Brees. You know, he, he's still smart enough, good enough, accurate enough to make teams pay and to make this team successful. So I'm going to I'm going to take a step back for them though. I'm I'm going to take a I guess it's a big step back since they were 13 and three last season. I'm going to go 10 and six. And I'm going to let the tiebreakers fall where they may in the NFC South division. Because I believe, I think I may have picked like three teams to be somewhere hovering around 10 and six. I'm going to let the tiebreakers do what it does. Um, 
I still see this team being the one, if it does come down to that, I see this team being the one to uh, be on the favorable end of those tiebreakers and still win this division. I give them the, 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 the leg up on that. My question for this team is, and this is more of a what's inside you kind of kind of question. Right. You know, they were what how their season ended. Will they let that fuel them or affect them uh, going into the 2019 se- season? Will they if the, the first set of adversity, man, this is 2019, this is 2018 all over again. The refs are jobbing us, or is it? Next play, next play, next play, next play, you know, and they let that that hurt they felt when they knew they should have been in the Super Bowl. Do you think that's that's the one thing? Will it fuel them? That is yeah. that their motivation going into 2019? And if things don't go the right way, will that same energy be there as well? Because that yeah, I, it, that's what I'm about to say. It could be the other side of the coin too. It could fuel them or it could break them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we got this close. We felt like we got jobbed. Um, it's so difficult to come back, start over, get back to that point. Everybody's gunning for you, at least in this division. So, yeah, it, it can fuel you or it can end up breaking you. So we shall see what happens with these uh, New Orleans Saints. Let's move over to the NFC East. And we will start the NFC East with the team that finished in last place last season. Those New York football giants with a record of 5-11. and 11. Why was this team 5-11? and 11? And I will ask you another question. Why the hell do I always halfway believe in this team and this team always <laughs> I'm not well, falling for it again. So this year, I'll pick them to be trash, and then they'll sneak up and win the division. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about that. About that. Um, winning this division, mm, did hell freeze over? Because I don't, yeah, that's that's the only way that's going to happen. But this, I mean, the offensive line got a little better. I mean, defense wasn't great. They still don't get after anybody. Odell was Odell, and then he came and went. And, yeah, Saquon Barkley looks like he's a top three back, not even five, three, top three back. But will it be all for not? I mean, as long as Eli's there, they go get him a, a go get his replacement. But you know, this team has just been kind of out of sorts, you know, over the last few years. Really, really and truly, I, since 2012, since for about the last seven years, since they won they won that last Super Bowl, they haven't been this. This good team, and then the the whole we're going to Miami thing when they should have went. We presumably think they should have been practicing all day long, twenty four seven for Green Bay, and then they dropped that game, and then it just everything just spiraled out of control. All right, all right. So off season, uh, besides losing, you know, top three to five wide receiver in the league, what else did they do? Uh, you go out and pick up Golden Tate. Not a bad pickup. Kevin Zeitler on the offensive line, which you need help. Not bad. Jabril Peppers, seems like he's been moving around a lot, and he went from not being all that great to being traded. So, yeah, you you leave the Browns for Siberia, the other Siberia in the NFC. So, uh, Antoine Bethea, you bring him in. He's aging, but okay. Daniel Jones is the 
presumed uh, replacement for Eli Manning. They have the same mannerisms. I mean, he looked okay in the preseason, but it was against backups. Dexter Lawrence from the, the Clemson National Champion, who I think it was, I mean, he is a monster of, of a man. He's 6'4", like 340, 350. He's going to be man in the middle of that defense. And DeAndre Baker, the, the shutdown corner from Georgia. So, you, I mean, you pick up some good pieces, but then you well, – we, you know, there's always – we did this, we did that, but then there's this, but you let go of Odell Beckham Jr., a top three receiver, Landon Collins, a top 10 safety, <laughs> Olivier Vernon, who you paid a ton of money to, and when you brought in all these free agents, he's gone now, uh, B.W. Webb, Josh Moore, Curtis Riley, big pieces that you lost. So it, it just looks like, you know, it's like you take t- two steps forward and take five back. It's just not a good idea. It's not a good situation. Right. And this is a team who had the second fewest number of sacks last season um, back in their heyday, their heyday of the 80s, early 90s, and, you know, the, the Super Bowls that they won. Uh, mm-hmm. 2011, and they, they, they always don't could. remind me of the other one. Don't even say it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't remind me. They always could rest. You know, they could they could hang their hat on getting at the quarterback. Um, we don't know about that now. You know, they had like I said, they had the second fewest sacks last season. So you really at this point can go nowhere but but up. But they need to get at the quarterback because they have some young cats back there in the secondary. Um, so we know, you know, we don't know how long they're going to be able to be back there guarding. So they have to get some t- some type of pass rush moving forward um, this season. The biggest question, I believe, in New York is the the quarterback transition. Will it happen? during the season or will Eli Manning finish out this season, you know, with his dignity intact? Um, A lot of signs are pointing to, you know, if the Giants get off to a slow start, which, you know, I I think they have a pretty favorable schedule, if you ask me, but if they get off to a bit of a slow start, then it might be time to throw the kid in there. Eli Manning's streak is no longer on the line, so you don't have to think about things like that. Um, to be honest, that shouldn't even be a thing, especially if you're losing. That shouldn't even be a thing. Yeah, yeah. but but at the same time, uh, a, a lame duck coach shouldn't be the one to stop your streak, especially when your backup is is Geno. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, say if they had a Daniel Jones at that time. Uh, a young quarterback that you drafted to be the future of the team, or just anybody back there where you want to see him because you don't know what you have, then I understand in that situation mm-hmm. putting it into the street. But when you have Geno Smith as your backup, a guy that not you're not trying to, that, you're not trying right, to. Like, like at that point, it's like you kind of know what you have in Geno Smith. Like I'm not even sitting here trying to call Geno Smith a bum. Um, you know, he does enough of that himself. But, <laughs> but but that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is you have somebody back there. You know what you had in Geno Smith. You know it wasn't going to save the season. So what's the point of changing quarterbacks unless you have somebody back there where you're not expecting him to save the season, but you want to know what he has 
moving forward because you may switch to him one day. They have that guy now. So if the same type of situation happens this season, it'll be a no-brainer to go to Daniel Jones, maybe get the Daniel Jones era started off. But I just didn't see a reason for it to be done at that particular time. Um, I really thought it was an ego move by the coach, just trying to show everybody who was in charge. And then we saw how that played out. So. <laughs> So what, what do you think moving forward this season, though? Do you think we'll see – do you think Daniel Jones will be the one to finish this season? Uh, I do, and it won't be pretty. Uh, I mean, you're playing I – mean, the schedule is not terrible. It's not great. It's not easy by any – no, no NFL schedule is easy. I hate say, I hate when people say, you know, season's gonna, this schedule is an easy schedule. But um, right. it's favorable to the team, to these teams. I mean, you're going to be in some games. I mean, you have teams like the Bills, the Bucks, and the and the Washington team early on, Arizona early on, so um, and Detroit as well. So you're going to be in some games. But the question is, will you be able to finish those games? I don't – I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw last year. This team is in rebuild mode. It is what it is. If you're, if I see any signs of losing at all with this team, why not just finish it off, tank it out, go get better players. This is do, use the NBA model and have some patience uh, with your coaches because, quite honestly, the NFL is really run by four or five really good teams, and once those teams get old, it's your turn. I mean, that's usually how this works, unless you're New England and you just don't get old. So. Um, <laughs> And you fast track your backup for a rookie quarterback. So, but uh, I mean, tip for this team, I could see this team being like a four and twelve type of team. I mean, four and twelve, five and eleven. You may you're gonna catch somebody off guard, and you'll catch some games later in the season, especially with the teams you're seeing at the end, like a Philly, a Washington maybe even on Green Bay or Chicago where the season doesn't matter as much because it's the last six games of the year and you've already kind of wrapped things up. So you're just kind of coasting at the end. Six and ten. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Wow. Six you're giving these teams some love. I, I, I mean, am, I just, I, am I that critical? Is, I'm just critical, this, huh? This is my this is uh, this is me again. This is me believing in the Giants six and ten. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not the same belief that I've had the past couple of years. Oh, it's not like they're going to win the Super Bowl and have the best offensive skill players. It's not that that Giants team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Man, forget all that. That never happened. I, I let you tape. have it. I let you have it though. I let you have it. A bunch of tape. All right, let's move on to the Washington professional football team who ended the season at seven and nine last year. You know, I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you something that I saw right before we got on the air. Um, I happened to be scrolling past uh, a, a Washington's fan page, Uh-oh. and somebody with a super straight face. I mean, it was it was such a straight face that he made it in a graphic. Um, that the record prediction for the Washington professional football team this season will be 12 and four. <laughs> the comment sections may have been worse than the actual guy who posted that because everybody believed him. One guy said, really, we're not going to lose one of those games. We, can, we might be 13 and three. Somebody else came Whoa. up and said undefeated. 
Oh, but this is what I've lived around for the past, you know, twenty years or so. Um, the most delusional fan base that I've ever seen in my life. But that might be, uh, you know, because I see them up close and personal. I think everybody who probably lives in a place where they don't root for the team, they probably think that the fan base is a little bit crazy. I mean, I'm pretty Last sure. Last year, I would have been willing Philadelphia. to. And you don't root for the Eagles, or you're not from there. You probably think Philly fans are a little bit delusional, but I have never seen it like this because this fan base doesn't learn lessons. Their owner has been taking them for a ride ever since he bought the team. Um, his his mo used to be go out and sign the biggest names you can sign, no matter how old they are, just to keep these butts in the seats. Antoine Randall, it's ridiculous. The, the ticket prices, the parking prices, all of this kind of stuff is ridiculous for a team that has pretty much, you know, as a whole stunk for the past 20, 25 years. But they keep falling for the same thing. And every year, you know, they have a little success in the preseason and you see delusional predictions like this. 12 and 4, hey, y'all heard me say it. So if they come back and they finish the season 12 and 4, you can come. Rip me as much as you can, but I really don't think you'll get the opportunity. Fred, what did this team do in the offseason to at least attempt to justify this 12-4 and prediction by a super fan? I want to preface before I go into this. Last year, when I got to see this team in person, they weren't that bad pre-Alex Smith injury. I actually think they would have made the playoffs and made a little noise in the playoffs had Alex Smith never gotten hurt. Dallas backdoored into the playoffs because Alex Smith got hurt. They were a 10-win team. They had the division locked up. They were winning games. I actually saw them when they came down here and played Tampa, and Adrian Peterson looked like Adrian Peterson still. So, those fans are stuck in 2018, but nonetheless. Um, but as far as off-season things, Alex Smith gets hurt. Stuck in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> that too, that too. Um, but Alex Smith obviously hurt. He may not never play football again. I mean, let's be real about it. It sucks that he he really found himself uh, years out, years later. It took being let go into another team for him to actually figure out that he actually could push the ball down the field and he pushed the ball down the field in Kansas city and he did it in Washington. So uh, it stinks to see that he finally became who he filled his potential, but he didn't do it until he was like 34. Uh, yeah, but you, but, you know what, you know why he started pushing the ball down the field in Kansas city? They had that Patrick Mahomes guy. <laughs> they drafted a kid named Patrick Mahomes. He was pushing the ball down the field for his damn football life. Because he's like, if it's not going to be here, I got to audition for the rest of the league. Exactly. going to be on my ass. <laughs> exactly. As Amazing how as... looking over your shoulder will make you a much better player. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as far as off-season additions, uh, you bring in Landon Collins, who decided he wanted to wear Sean Taylor's 21, and, well, that didn't happen. So uh, they said no to that. Sean Taylor's uh, revered. He is God. Yeah, Sean Taylor's God when it comes to that, you know, to that organization. Uh, but they bring in Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State quarterback. He didn't look all that great in the preseason. 
he may want to go that route of sitting for a, at least half a season. They go draft Montez Sweat. Uh, they go draft. They bring in Case Keenum. He, if you think Cap, if you think uh, Alex Smith is Captain Checkdown, that's Case Keenum. Case Keenum and Colt McCoy will be fighting for a starting spot coming this coming season. That's bad football. Uh, they bring in Eric Flowers to be their swinging gate, their sixth man on the offensive line. Uh, he, he's traveled around a bit. And John Bostic, he's just a guy. But you lose Zach Brown on the in the linebacking court. Jamison Crowder was a good slot. Uh, DJ Swearinger could not keep his mouth closed. And, well, he's gone now. Ha-Ha Clinton Dick stayed there for maybe half for a cup of coffee. And Preston Smith also is gone now as well. So you lost a ton. You, you lost a ton. And so now what do you get? Now you have a, you got to hope you can really figure things out as far as the quarterback position. Adrian Peterson's not getting any younger. And, well, you just let go of your first-round quarterback from 2016. So he's a part of that whole uh, key losses thing. Josh Dotson, he's gone now. Right, and you know, along with Adrian Peterson in that backfield, they have uh, Darius Geis, who, um, from what I've been hearing, he might actually be the starter with Adrian Peterson, you know, spelling him at times. Um, not not really spelling him, but you know, a two back type offense. Yeah. That'll probably get equal touches, but Darius Geis might be the guy who runs out onto the field first, that kind of thing. Um. I don't know, man. I I think they could end up with the same type of situation as the Giants. I know you said uh, Colt and 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 uh, damn, I'm having a brain fart. And Keenum might end up battling it out for the starting position down the line this season. But I'm I'm thinking as well if everything hits the fan and this team loses a few games. And it's not looking like the season is going to turn out well. You know, what do you have to lose by throwing the rookie in there besides his confidence? But what do you have to lose <laughs> by throwing your guy in there who you look at to be your franchise quarterback? Um, and this team, like, to, to out of the gate, their first five or six games, oh, oh, hell's kitchen. <laughs> hell's kitchen. So, uh, we'll have to see. Like like I said, if they start off slow and it looks like it may not get any better, I think you might end up seeing the kids this year. Yeah, and it doesn't help that Trent Williams doesn't want to be there anymore. He's going through what KD went through with the with the Warriors on the, at the end of their finals run. You know, you have – they thought he had a – a lump on his brain and it, it it turned out to be nothing but they didn't handle it well and these guys are still people and because they are still people when you don't handle injuries and surgeries and any kind of diagnosis right they have no loyalty to you anymore so you can see Trent Williams going away and if he goes away ooh, and he's 31 so he's not getting any younger even if you do pay him that's going to be huge too. You're going to have some backup swing tackle and they don't build guys like Trent Williams anymore. Um, in college, in the college ranks, they don't, those guys don't come out of, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. So Dwayne Haskins, it's going to be a long season for you. If you get a chance to start early, sir. Right. Like I said, yeah, they throw him in there and it's without Trent Williams. Yeah. Sorry for you, kid. Um, <laughs> So, 
that, that's the outlook. What do you what do you see? Just bottom line, what do you see from this team? How many wins? I know you I know you said, you know, that fan page saw twelve and four, but I think they spelled four and twelve wrong. <laughs> four and twelve is what you see. Yeah, four and twelve. It's gonna man. be ugly. I'm telling you, I've seen that more often than not. You know, my my time, you know, in this area, I see, you know, I see like a four and zero preseason. I see hopes get high, and I see them all get dashed. Four wins later, um, I'm gonna be a little more generous, even than you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go five wins for this team. But I think I think they will bring up the rear in this division. That I don't know. That that's still kind of hard to, to say who's gonna be better between them and the Giants. I know I was a little um, generous with the Giants, so I you know I think both teams will hover around the same record um, because you see pros and cons in different places for both of these teams. Um, and as much as they, they try, and as much as some of the fans don't think so, you know, I don't think Gruden is a terrible coach. I mean, I think he's a lame duck coach at this point. Um, he's in Washington playing under Daniel Snyder, and the pressure is on. If they don't make the playoffs this season, uh, it might be his last. Don't think when, when they won't. When they won't, I mean, look at their schedule. That's murderer's row. I'm just well, gonna be four, honest, man. What I do mean, you think? all right, let's 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 do a scenario where they could possibly sneak into the playoffs. What do they have to be in those first uh, six games? First six at Philly, ooh, Dallas, Chicago. Ooh, they'd have the, the first quarter of the season. They got to go three and one, and that ain't happening. They have to <laughs> literally start off three and one. You see Philly, Dallas, Chicago. You'll get the Giants. You might win that one. That's the that's the toilet bowl of that division. But then you get New England. Miami isn't going to be as bad as people think. They will not be as bad as people think. Uh, so and it's it. in get can they get two? Can they can they come out of that stretch of two and four? Whew. Yeah, can you can come beat out Miami. of that stretch at two and four, and then and then maybe lose three for the rest of the season and end up seven losses and nine wins. Can that happen? I mean, you have San Francisco. Mm, that seems I don't know. The Bills, you might beat them, maybe. You're not beating Minnesota in Minnesota. I mean, the yeah, Jets that's are. That's your problem. Because even after you get past that first six, you have teams. Like, this team is like is like that I don't know team. Like, you're not saying, oh, Bills, that's a win. Or, you know, the teams that aren't that great, you're not giving them automatic wins. Yeah, they're not getting all get Yeah, like, you don't even expect them fully to beat the bad teams because they're considered one of those bad teams, so nah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, nah. I'm just playing devil's There's advocate. There's no scenario here. here. It would take yeah. somebody, it would take Probably. like half the schedule's top players to just, it would have to be a, ma- a mass exodus of players where everybody's getting hurt. Somebody, Everybody's <laughs> getting like uh, some kind of disease or something like staff infection going rampant through the NFL. That's the only thing, that's the only way this team, and they just somehow quarantine themselves. That's it. That's that's it. So, nah. All right. 
So let's move on to my Philadelphia Eagles, who finished last season nine and seven, snuck into the playoffs. When I say snuck into the playoffs, they snuck into the playoffs. They had a week 17 mangling of the team we just talked about, the Washington professional football team. They got some help from Chicago. Um, I'm thinking Chicago probably regret that help after the double doink game that very next week. (laughs) This team kind of showed some of that Super Bowl medal after sneaking into the playoffs, advancing around, you know, as you were an underdog, just like the year before, and almost pulling it off against a team that totally dismantled you earlier in the season, um, you know, to, to try to make it back to the NFC championship game. They ended the season on a positive note, whereas we talked about teams like New Orleans coming out like gangbusters and just slowing down at the end of the season, but being good enough to still make it to that NFC chip game. And I think this team showed you like, okay, they could be back in the fold that next season. Um, what did this team do in the off season that caught your eye? Uh, first off, they helped sure up the worst secondary in the league where they just literally gave up the third worst passing yards in the league. Yeah, that, that's never good. That's, that's an easy way to win, lose about seven games, but, uh, you help out that. Assaulted and battered in the secondary. I mean, it was bad. It was very, very bad. It was Uh, double move city too. It was double move city. I mean, you help out that that secondary with Malik Jackson on the D line, Zach Brown in the line at the linebacking core, Vinny Curry. Uh, you also he they bring him back after a stint with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, you also bring on the offensive side, you bring back a hometown hero. I mean, he's not from there, but he's he's everything that you guys in Philly love and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, you bring, you gotta go, you gotta have a big back so you go get Jordan Howard. Um, and Andre Dillard from the, from, uh, Washington, uh, state, you know, bring him in as well, man. That was huge on the offensive line. I mean, Jason Peters can't play forever. I was going to say, and the fact that he may get to sit and learn behind one of the best Mm -hmm. for an entire season. And I say may, because we know in the past few years, Jason Lee, Jason Peters has been pretty injury prone. So Andre Dillard. Needs to stay ready so he doesn't have to get ready because he might be thrown into that into that mix. Um, in the preseason, ah, he was responsible for Nate Sudfeld getting blasted. <laughs> and, and, welcome, and to the, that's a welcome to the NFL moment. Right, he was a little responsible for that for for his for our backup quarterback getting hurt and being you know as having to call forty year old Josh McCown. Um, yeah, so, because yeah. Nick Foles isn't there anymore to save you. He's in he's in Jacksonville right. now about to waste. He said, I won my Super Bowl already. I can go play for bad teams now and make a lot of money. Yeah, I, can lot of money. money. I can go steal money. I can go steal money. So, I just have to use that as a learning experience because if he does get thrown in that mix, like you said, there's no Nick Foles, you know, coming through that door. So, if you get Carson Wentz blasted like you got Nate Subfield blasted, you could change the fortunes of this entire team. Go ahead. What's your What's your outlook? Uh, uh, this team uh, This team is really gonna have to do better. I need Carson Wentz to be Carson Wentz. I I loved coming out of uh, North Dakota State because um, 
I, I'm sorry, I haven't seen it. Last year, it just seemed like he was playing timid. Uh, he had a 21 touchdowns to seven interceptions, and he averaged just a hair under 280 yards, but in 69.6% completion rate. But these numbers sound great, but when you have Nick Foles right behind you and you're playing musical quarterbacks, and then on top of that, the running game isn't there, it just didn't look all that great. Uh, but I think if the defense, if the, if the defense can kind of, if they can get even a tick better, just a tick, not a lot, just a little bit. Uh, this team is 11 and five team. No questions asked. I need Carson Wentz to, to speed up that clock in his head. The running game has to get better. Uh, and I think this team can be fine. I actually, th- I actually think this team will win the division. Um, it, it is it is crazy, though, Fred, how winning, I mean, the old cliche goes, winning cures everything. Mm-hmm. Because almost across the board, Carson Wentz had a better statistical season than when he was the front runner for MVP. Before exactly. getting hurt the season before. But when you do that and you're not getting any wins, <laughs> uh, you know, it looks totally different. Yeah. Um, Empty numbers mean not, but it def- the eye test did tell you that there was something different with him. That kind of thing I can give a pass on because we know, you know, injuries like his, people don't fully, fully come back and be themselves, and you know, until that next year, you know, and it's you a come back for a year for that next year, and and I think it's all mental because you know, modern medicine healing these guys nicely. They can go out and pretty much do some of the same things that they can do, but they don't trust that they can do the same things that they can right. do. They don't want to throw themselves into that mix like that and in their head think that they're risking getting injured again. So it's all mental. Um, you know, he got that rude awakening last season when some anonymous reports came out about him as a leader and seems like a lot of people was taking the full side of everything. Um, you got know. a ring on your finger because the reason a ring happens, you'll get all the, he gets, Nick Foles gets whatever he wants. He's right. the king of Philly now. Right. All right. No doubt. No doubt. Nick Foles will never, ever pay for another meal in Philly. Um, I mean, the crazy part about it is it's like we hold, you know, individual games. We hold that so high in sports, like we keep, we still, we're still forgetting that Carson Wentz was front runner for MVP. You know what I'm saying? They had lost one game up until he got hurt. He was a big reason why they pulled into the playoffs with home field advantage that season. So, but he gets forgotten in the mix. Like fans go far enough to even be like, you know, Oh, he hasn't won anything. Like he doesn't wear a Super Bowl ring as well, but it's his time to prove that he can make it all the way through and be that guy. And that's what people are looking for. Um, So, yeah, I see, you know what I don't like though, when the national media gives my team too much positive attention, I see too much positive stuff about the Eagles. Um, A lot of people, I mean, and you look at them on paper, they probably are the deepest iteration of this team that you've seen in a long time roster better than the Super Bowl season, but that's different. That's season where just everything came together. I'm talking, um, you know, play, luck, karma. <laughs> like, like your top guys on this team are like religious freaks, and uh, I think they were blessed for it. I believe in all of that. But 
right now, people are talking about how good they are. You know, they can make another run at the Super Bowl. I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles, nor any other Philadelphia team for that matter, has ever played well when there were expectations. Right. Think back to 2017. People were doubting that they would even make the playoffs, and these dudes are hoisting the Lombardi Trophy for the first time ever. Think back to 2011. They had the dream team. They picked up everybody and their mom in that, you know, that, that year where the salary cap was damn near non-existent. What, four wins? <laughs> they don't play well. It's not just as a franchise that doesn't play well under expectations. So that's yeah, when they read the yeah. right now. Hmm. So what do you yeah. what, what do you think? As far as for me, uh, again, I think this team is a eleven and five team. This division is gonna still be a tough division to win. I mean, Dallas isn't gonna go away quietly, even though I think that their owner is a joke and everything about this organization is a joke. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh Philly's gonna win this one. They're gonna go eleven and five and they're gonna win this thing. They may go 12-4 and just because you can get a cheap one somewhere along the line. But for the most part, uh, I just see this team really getting refocused. And I think that's what Doug Peterson is really going to have. That's going to be the big calling card is they need to refocus and gain that – gain what they had back. Gain that focus that they had back. Because, I mean, you guys aren't used to missing the playoffs. And you darn sure aren't used to just being ousted in the first round. So right. I, I I think this team can go eleven and five. I'll give them eleven and five. I'm a little reluctant to do so. Um, I I think they'll win the division. I put I'll put it this way. I think they'll win the division, but I'm not expecting it. So it's one of those things. If they don't, I'm not going to be all disappointed. Like oh, they they had this locked up. It was theirs to lose. I don't think. You know, they have it by that kind of a margin where I'm going to be surprised if they don't win the division. Like I said, I fully understand how the Eagles and any other Philly team play under the pressure of expectations. But I'm going to go 11-5 and and a division win here. We'll see how it shakes out. So let's go last but not least. This team did win the division uh, last season. Um, by all accounts, this team has finally come to terms uh, with their star running back, Ezekiel Elliott, on a, what is it, a $90 million extension? Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, after a preseason long holdout, they say he will end up getting maybe eight to 15 touches on Sunday, even though he hasn't been there for a lick of the preseason, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Division winners last season at ten and six. Um, what gave them this division last season? With this team, uh, I'm, I really hate giving excuses, but the Washington professional team's quarterback got hurt. <laughs> That's what won them this division last year. They were squarely number two in this division, and they were not. They were not playing well. Uh, they were just kind of being an average team, and Washington just kind of blew past them. Uh, and the second Alex Smith got hurt, they backdoored their way into the playoffs because they weren't a playoff team. Um, I think this team is – they have pieces. Uh, of course, Zeke, 
Amari, Amari Cooper, um, he, but Cole Beasley was a big piece as well. But this team really and truly um, wasn't – they just didn't do anything special to me. And I'm not a big fan of Dak Prescott. I don't know if you – if we've ever had that real discussion, but I'm not a big fan of his game. I think he's a – a bottom 15 quarterback. And I think without, he is, he, I would take Andy Dalton over, over Dak Prescott. And I hate saying wow. that. I, yeah. that, that's how far I'll go. If you said win a game tomorrow, give me Andy Dalton, give me Andy Dalton and a bunch of dudes and I'll, and I'll make it happen versus Dak Prescott and a bunch of dudes. All right. We will definitely get back to that before we do. Um, what did this team do in the off season? Uh, you bring in Robert Quinn. He just said he's a guy at this point. I mean, he hasn't really done much. They brought the guy back from TV who has a wig on, uh, Jason Witten, the most boring man on TV. I oh, am thankful. I thought you meant the apprentice guy, Trump. But, uh, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Jason Witten, yeah, yeah. See, Jason, Jason Witten was terrible. He has to be better as an old tight end than he was at a new commentator. There are two people. <laughs> On that were in broadcasting that I literally had to turn the volume off on. CBS is Vern Lundquist on SEC <laughs> games. I had to turn the TV off. Uncle Vern, I'm so happy you're gone. Thank you. And and Jason Witten, he was so dry and boring. And we thought Tony Romo was going to be. Terrible. Tony Romo is right. gold. He he ends Tony, up being the star. Yeah, he's <laughs> gold. <laughs> but Jason Witten, I mean, the wig, whatever that he has the Trump wig going on, and I, I don't understand. He was so boring. Uh, but I had to turn Monday night's volume off, and it, I'm so happy. That's the best moment of the year, plain and simple. Tony Romo be on TV telling you the team's next two plays before they run them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? That's what he's supposed to do. As he he calls the game right. as a quarterback, and it, it's right. it's beautiful. It's beautiful broadcasting. And it kind of shows you where he was. Now you know me. I've always thought Tony Romo was underrated, underappreciated mm-hmm. by the fans. I think that a lot of that happened to be, you know, basically based on everybody's hatred of the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. They weren't going to give him any type of uh, props for well, what he did back there. But he does, as a commentator, show you how smart he was as a quarterback. And Tony, when we know he had the propensity to make the big mistakes at times. Yeah, he'd give you 58 but, great minutes in the right, last I just was saying, but, but a lot of people forget that Dallas wouldn't even have been competitive yeah. without yeah. him. And they weren't competitive anytime he wasn't there up until, you know, the Dak, the Dak Prescott year, his rookie year. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only time that Tony Romo became expendable. And then, you know, he, since then, nah, I don't still. <laughs> like you said, I, I, I don't think Dak, I don't think I think as low of him as you do, but I'm also as a fan of a rival team in the division, I asked that Jerry Jones, please pay him $40 million a year. Please oh, I hope lock him up. Too, lock him up. Keep him there. Pay him I, and Z and, and Amar. Go pay all three of them because that's I, just destroy your team salary cap. Go I, ahead. And I would kind of, you know, love for 
Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott to just both stay healthy. I mean, Dak has been healthy, but Carson needs to stay healthy so we can, you know, put this whole thing to bed once and for all, this Carson versus Dak comparison that usually Cowboy fans That's not make. even a comparison, though. I mean, yeah, but they think it is. Uh, shout out to Skip Dak Bacon. Is he the thinks, second he best thinks quarterback in his division by default. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, what your outlook moving forward? What do you think this team can accomplish this year? Or what do you okay, what so do you see from there's them? Two teams, there's two. There's two of these. So, um, let's just say if there's a scenario where all of this contract talk goes down the drain and they somehow piss uh, Ezekiel Elliott off and he decides not to show up. Ooh, very bad. Very, very bad because Tony Pollard, I don't care if you you could have you could have the best offensive line in the world, but Zeke is special. Zeke is Zeke is one of like four backs in the league that sees a hole before it actually opens up. And he can, when the way he can z- accelerate zero to sixty is amazing. He's one of the few backs in the in the league and even I mean even all time when you look when I watch Zeke run, Zeke is a little bit different than just anybody else. So if they don't if Zeke doesn't show up, let's just say for some crazy reason, this team goes where he goes and Dak goes where he goes and well without that thousand yards on first down or whatever you're going to get on first down, it's going to be ugly because you're going to be expecting Zeke you're going to be expecting Dak to be Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or Drew Brees, and he's not that guy. He has to have a running game to make him look – to make his life a little easier. Now, on the other – on the flip side of that, um, I think if Zeke is there, I think this team's an eight-win team, an eight-and-eight type team, maybe a nine-and-seven team, nothing more, nothing less. Somebody's going to get hurt on defense. Amari Cooper, we'll see if he takes that next step or is he just a B-level receiver. Jason Witten will be a non-factor on this team. Uh, they still need a tight end. Uh, <laughs> Zeke will probably go for 1,300 yards or more. Uh, but for me, when I look at this team, I think that this team has potential to maybe scare some teams and maybe get to the second round of the playoffs, but – I don't think this team is like one of those just they're not gangbusters. Not not to the extent of, you know, like, you know, my favorite guy Skip Bayless wants to make him a make them a undefeated. They're going they're America's team. No. America's team belongs to that team in New England. We already talked about those guys. America's team is not in Dallas. So, um that that's how I feel about an eight and eight, nine and seven type of team. Um I I I think they can and will be more than that. Um, like I said, we keep hearing that Ezekiel Elliott and his contract talks are every every report we see, they throw in an extra very. You know, first they were close, then they were very close. You know, I read something 14 minutes ago. They were very very close <laughs> to finalizing this deal. Um, from the numbers that I saw a little bit earlier, like if the deal is finalized, he'll be the highest paid running back in the NFL. If that ends up being the case, I don't even know what this whole thing would have been about from the Dallas Cowboys standpoint. Um, bottom line, though, I, I believe as well that they need this guy in the fold. Um, 
like I said, I don't think as low of Dak Prescott as you do, but I do know what I saw with my own eyes and what Dak Prescott looks like when number 21 is not on the field. Um, He helps his game tremendously as any great running back does for his quarterback, but some of those quarterbacks are able to live on their own when that guy isn't around. Dak Prescott, you know, being a rival fan, but being objective, there were times, you know, early in his career where, you know, I was waiting for Dak to make the mistake, waiting for Dak to show, you know, a little bit of, uh, can we even say chink in the armor anymore? Is that, you know, is that politically incorrect? Uh, shout no, out to we, we're not politically um, incorrect here, so I think we but, can. We can yeah. But but just just to show a little bit of that, a lot of situations he ended up getting out of. Um, but when Zeke was not able to be in the fold, that's when you started to see the flaws that you kind of expected uh-huh. from Dak Prescott. So he's very important to his game. That's probably why his whole contract talk has stalled because he probably knows, man, if I'm getting my man Zeke paid first, it's not going to matter what the hell they pay me. <laughs> but, um, you know, that goes when I think of Dak. Remember I, how I always talk about tra- uh, tractor and trailer. Um, when I think of Dak, I don't think of tractor. I don't think of the guy or truck and trailer. I don't think of the guy who can uh, Dak. I don't think of him as a guy that can carry a team. He needs pieces. He needs the running back. He needs the tight end. He needs the the wide receivers. He need he's the Andy Dalton. He's the I don't want to call him say Nick Foles, but he's Nick Foles. He's Jared Goff. He needs talent around him to make him look a lot better than what he is. He's not a Rogers, Brady, Rivers, Ben. You know, he he's not that make good. the talent look good. The talent makes him look good. Makes him look Put good, yeah. I can agree to that. All right, but again, I'm gonna be a little more generous than you. Um, I'm thinking nine and seven, ten and six. I'm gonna give the Cowboys ten and six. I think this division, and it's not like I think this division can get two teams in the playoffs potentially. Um, and it's not like there's any two teams; like it's just two teams. It's a two-team race here. Um, I think they have the potential to get both of these teams, the Cowboys and the Eagles, in the playoffs. However, I also think it's going to be difficult because of what I think of the NFC South and, you know, how many teams they could potentially get into the playoffs. So we'll see how it shakes out. But I'm going to give this team 10-6. and We're going to let the chips fall where they may. And this has been your NFC South and NFC East 2019 NFL preview. We will be back at you with our final episode in the series where we preview the remaining two divisions in the league. That's the NFC North and the NFC West. And in that uh, episode, we will also give you our prediction on uh, season awards and how the season as a whole is going to shake out as far as playoffs, wild card. Uh, conference championship, Super Bowl, Super Bowl winner. Um, So stick with us in our 2019 NFL preview series. We're going to get it all to you before kickoff on Thursday night. So, Fred, before we get out of here, man, let everybody know 
where they can find you on social media because the NFL season starts this week. We're going to be out here talking that stuff. If you're a college football fan, you want to follow Fred's feed as well because we will uh, be on those Saturday contests as well. Um, And if you are a college football fan, make sure you check out Quick Slants. Uh, We will try to get an episode to you. Hey, man, we're hard working over here. I'm going to try to get you um, an episode of, of, of Quick Slants at some point this week as well for you college football fans. But right now we're talking NFL. Fred, where can they find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter, Fred Produce CFB. Same thing for on IG. Uh, as far in, and of course, I got to say this one because, you know, uh, it's looking pretty good. That whole college pick'em thing, if you haven't joined, please go join. Uh, your, the worst week is dropped anyway. So um, go, go ahead and join. I, 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 I'm sparing no one this year. No one. Yeah. There were no all of our being nice going picks. On right now. So go. There were no being nice picks this week. I lost one game. I Uh-oh. can't stand Will Muschamp. I can't stand <laughs> Will Muschamp. He had one job. One job. Beat right. a freshman quarterback at home. That's it. And I lost that one. I called everything else perfectly. All right. Now we got all our contests going on right week two now. Is mine. We'll, throw, we'll throw a refresher link for the college uh pick them up on the uh, Facebook page as well so you can get in there. Like Fred said, the lowest week gets dropped. So even if you missed last week, you'll have that zero. You just have to ball out for the rest of the season. Our NFL uh, pick them, um, that's on the page. Just go to the War Room Sports Facebook page. Uh, scroll till you see that link. Join that group. We in here. $50 cash prize to the winner. Um, this has been, like I said, another episode of Cover 2 with McMillan and Purdue, our 2019 NFL preview, episode 50, 58, 57, I'm sorry, to be exact. Next episode will be episode 58 when we finish off our preview for the season. But for my partner, for Purdue, I'm Devin McMillan. Like we always tell you about this time, don't accept mediocrity. Be steadfast in the war against ignorance. We'll see you chumps on top. Going up to LaFell. Touchdown. The big screen. Center. Over the middle. Touchdown. Play action. Cutler wide open. Sonsenbacher. War Room Sports, www.warroomsports.com. What? Ain't no more to it.